right, everybody, welcome back to the Story Matters podcast, where story matters. All right, so Sofia Alamonos is the daughter of Nick Alamonos. That's me. She's been on this podcast before when we reviewed the book. What was the name of the book, Sofia, that we reviewed? A Wish in the Dark. A Wish in the Dark, yes. And we both really enjoyed that a lot. And today, uh, what are we going to be talking about today, Sophia? We're going to be talking about Coraline, the book and the movie, probably. Yes, the book Coraline by one of my favorite authors, Neil Gaiman. This is the fourth Neil Gaiman book I reviewed on my blog. I started with The Sandman, which I think is excellent, even though it's a comic. But I think it's probably his best work. And then I read American Gods, which I thought was pretty good, not quite as big, and Stardust, which another good book. And so going down the line of his bibliography, we got to Coraline. Yeah, well, I've been watching the movie like every day. Like I think it was my favorite movie at one point. And so I was really excited when I was thought of reading the book. I don't know why I didn't read it sooner. Well, it makes sense. I mean, nowadays, you know, I think more kids, they start off watching things on TV, uh, you know, on Netflix or whatever. How old were you when you first saw Coraline? I think I was like six or seven. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty scary. I was (laughs) like, maybe you shouldn't watch this because it's pretty scary. And you're like, no, 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 I want to, I want to see it. Cause I remember my, uh, your older sister, Jasmine, was, like, scared of everything. <laughs> every every single movie, you know, and TV show freaked her out. So, but you were very different. Yeah. You seem to like the spooky stories, and I think you still do. Isn't horror, like, one of your yeah. um, favorite genres? Yeah. So when you discovered Coraline, did you like the book as much as the movie? Oh, yeah. I I love the book. There were a lot of things that were conveyed in, like, the story more than the movie, but there were mm-hmm. there were some scenes that were in the movie that weren't in the book and vice versa. Yeah, it was a really great experience uh, reading the book. That's great. That gives me hope for the future of kids reading because I'm always worried that reading in general is just going to die. Kids are just going to be so absorbed with social media and TikTok and stuff. And so if a book can still hold a kid's attention, that gets me excited. And I definitely think Neil Gaiman is the guy to do it Mm, because I think he's one of the better, uh, maybe one of the best storytellers. And I did also really enjoy this. I remember you kind of begging me to to read it, even though I had a a bunch of other books I wanted to read first. (laughs) It does skew a little younger. Um, it's a very, yeah. very straightforward storytelling kind of super short. <laughs> very short. You could probably read it in a in a day, in mm-hmm. an afternoon. But simplicity isn't necessarily easy. I think people who have never really tried writing, you might read something like this and say, Oh, this guy probably wrote this in a in a week, but really it's very difficult to convey a lot of emotion and a lot of ideas, a lot of thoughts in very few words and have those words be as impactful as they, as they are. That's not easy to do. 
just the way that he uses so few words in some of his like best phrases in the entire book and it hits so deep when there's not a lot to it. It's very carefully constructed, almost like a poem. A very young reader could understand this uh, book, but I think it has enough value that I think even an older reader like myself, more jaded reader, can really find things to appreciate. There is a beauty and simplicity that I do appreciate. And also it has a very solid story. The character is very likable. And you definitely want to know what's going to happen to this girl. Sometimes you'll pick up a, a novel that's you know, a thousand pages long and you don't really care about what's going on. and You don't really care about anything. You know, storytelling 101. Care about the characters, care about the situation, and want to know how it's going to all turn out. Coraline, like herself from the very beginning is like so relatable to like probably every kid that reads it. And I mm -hmm. think that's one of like the biggest thing that contributes to how you feel and how you care about her throughout the book because you can see her bored and she right. she likes to adventure. She wants to be able to do things and like have buddies and stuff. And it's right. like, I think every kid can relate to that. I think Neil Gaiman really taps into the psyche of a child, which yeah. again, considering he's a middle-aged man, okay, that's really skillful to be able to, Yeah, you'll put yourself in the shoes of such a different person. Coraline does deal with a lot of universal ideas and universal things like your boredom and yeah. loneliness and finding yourself in a, in a different place in a strange environment because she just moved with her parents to a new town and she doesn't yep. know anybody. Although yeah. I do think it'd be, I do think it's kind of hard to talk about this book without getting into spoilers. So Definitely. I think, yeah. So I think I'm We're just going to get right into spoilers and I don't know if you felt this way, but it seems to me that there is a lot of these kind of primal fears he talks about. And I know this is something that, Neil Gaiman likes to write about a lot because mm -hmm. Sandman is all about dreams and the importance of dreams and how it affects people's lives and how, the way people oh, yeah. think. And American Gods is really about things that people worship, like prehistoric gods that we don't even remember, but they sort of linger in the back of our memories. He kind of does the same thing here where he's tapping into these primal fears that children, I think all children have. And I think one oh, of yeah. those... I think one of those is, what if my mom isn't really my mom, you know? Oh, yeah. What definitely. if my dad isn't really my dad? I think this is something we've all, at, at one point in time, we've all thought yeah. about. Yeah. Or, or whether my mom really doesn't love me or whether my parents don't really love me. I think this is something that all kids think about, but maybe they don't voice. And so I think For Coraline sure. gets right into this. Yeah. You know, this and then idea. connects it with the story, which is also really cool. <laughs> I mean, we were talking... Uh, yesterday about just like the unknown mm -hmm. and I think like the combination between her loving to you know adventure and find new things like you know what's behind that wall like who are these people but then again she's so young that she doesn't really know like what she's getting into and she's maybe if you tell me this it'll be right and I just have to trust you yeah, exactly. There's a lot of trust that goes on with yeah. children. I don't really think that as adults we we consider the fact that kids 
really live in a world of just mystery. Like kids don't know. Yeah. Their whole yeah. world is a mystery, right? They don't know what's going on. They don't know exactly you know, why they live in this house or why they live <laughs> in this country and why they have to go to school and why. Yeah. So there's all this trust involved with adults. And, th- and maybe that's another thing. She goes into this other world, this other reality that's hidden behind a, a door is like a portal that leads to uh, like kind of a mirror of her house. Something that we both really, really liked is when she discovers these other parents she has that really aren't her parents. Yeah. Uh, she says, who are you? And because it looks like her mom, but she has buttons for eyes instead of regular eyes. And she says, uh, I'm your other mother. And, and she just know, accepts that. And she's like, yeah, okay. Like, she's like yeah, she's, oh, okay, I'll, right. I'll take that. Yeah. yeah, and you would think that you would like the you know normal people would freak out. Oh my yeah. god, what's going on? Ah, oh, people for that have buttons for eyes, you'd run screaming. But she's like, No, I'm your other mother. And she's she like, needs- Oh, I didn't know that you know people have other parents. Like, right, right. That's and- the thing that she didn't know yet. But then again, kids are always like learning new things about you know the world. So and in the book, I liked it better because there's a lot of like subtlety to yeah. her character. So, you know, there's a few moments where he says that she goes into her bed and cries, but he doesn't really deal too much with her trauma. It reminded me a lot of like um, Alice in Wonderland where it had that kind of dreamy quality. Oh where, yeah, for sure. You don't know like what's real and what's not. It's just there. Yeah, yeah. And, and that makes you as the reader feel the same way, you know? And I think that's the difference, I think, between sort of like, fantasy and more like surrealist writing he's more of like kind of a surrealist writer where his magical world isn't like fully detailed and fully explained there's always kind of a a vague mystery to everything of exactly how things work no i prefer i prefer it to be that way yeah yeah and i think like that mystery he executed so well because it's like not only does Coraline feel confused and like learning new things, but the reader is also confused and learning new things. We don't really know who her other mother is and she doesn't really know who her other mother is. She's just there and she's her other mother and she's this weird creature that we don't really know. I mean, it would have been easy for him to say, oh, she's a witch or she's a demon or she's a spider but, but he no. never really does that. You mm-hmm. never really get a sense of exactly who this creature is and exactly what she's capable of. And I think this is something that is also one of those primal fears. I think witches are, if you look throughout literature for you know hundreds or maybe even thousands of years, the, the old witch has been something that children have been afraid of because I feel like it's kind of, it's this idea that goes back to motherhood and yeah, you're right. what if the mother is bad? What if your mother is evil? You know, what if yeah. your mother, uh, you can't trust her? Yeah, it's like and a safe environment, but yeah, it's off. When I was uh, in my crib, uh, you know, I, I know this is hard to believe, but I remember a dream I had <laughs> in, from my crib because oh my, my mom pushed my crib up against a, uh, a big uh, closet door. Okay. And, and I remember this freaked me out. I was like, what's behind that closet door? And I imagined oh, a witch okay. behind the closet door. So I think Neil Gaiman is really tapping into these primal fears. Yeah. And he does it with a lot of subtlety. But 
what's great about Coraline is that she doesn't panic. She doesn't freak out, but she just kind of very cleverly, you know, finds a way to escape this, this woman's clutches. In the book, she calls the police. And then in the movie, she doesn't do anything about it. And she doesn't say right. anything about it. I'm not too sure about like how to feel on that, but that does like give me kind of a sense when she grows up, like her parents tell her certain things, what to do if like something bad happens to you. Well, my real mother taught me that when something bad happens to me, I call 911. That's also kind of like how it is to be like a kid trying to go through the steps. So I guess we have to get into the movie as well, which I did not like as much, even though I did appreciate it. I think the claymation is amazing. It looks really, really, really silky smooth. Yeah. And I think it tells the story. I think they added a little more bombast because it is a movie. And so I think they, you know, they put in like, there's a flying praying mantis tractor <laughs> thingamajiggy which you know there's sure. just a lot of like more like creatures and visuals which yeah lends itself more to cinema i know a lot of people will complain and they'll be like why don't they make it exactly like the book and what i always have to explain to people is they're totally different mediums and so yeah. what works well in a book isn't going to work as well in a movie like you need to translate those things over because they're not the same for example, in the movie, she has a friend named Wiley, or no, Wyborn. What is a YB? Yeah, YB. Yeah, YB. <laughs> which is short for Wyborn. This character didn't exist in the book, but I think maybe yeah. it wasn't necessary because in the book, she has all this internal dialogue. She has all these thoughts. Yeah, but you can't do that thoughts. too well. It's right. It's harder to do in, in a, a movie. movie, right? So she needs someone to talk to. Someone but then to bounce again, off of ideas, yeah. Yeah, then again, um, I think the transition to book mm-hmm. the movie was good because they didn't ruin the the tone or you know the emotion too much. Definitely Coraline the movie represented the book in my opinion very well. So I was I'm I'm just happy. I think we disagreed on this, but I felt like the character was a little too old. <laughs> Um, in the movie and was a little bit too sassy. And like what I would have preferred is a more like Studio Ghibli type character. From my reading of it, I felt that she was very quiet and kind of timid and very innocent, you know, because for a girl to be like, oh, you're my other mother. Okay. I'm thinking she's got to be like five or six or something to, to accept right. something like that. Because I think you told me that in the movie, she's 11. And if she's 11, I don't think an 11 year old would be like, oh, yeah, I have another mother. Okay, no problem. You know, I think an 11 year old would be like, what the hell? This is crazy. (laughs) Okay. But then again, like social media wasn't around for her. Social media, like kids get so much more like exposed to like everything. It's Mm -hmm. almost like when kids don't have social media, they age slower. No, I, yeah, they're like, more innocent. I they think they like just say. don't know, you know. Yeah, they're more they're still learning new things, and they're still playing with toys. Because you know? my my mom is always shocked by how many things like you guys know. She's like, "How do the kids know that? How do the mm-hmm. kids know so much?" Yeah, and she's always just so surprised. 
And I think it's because, yeah, maybe it was a different time. Like maybe yeah. if you say this book took place like in the 70s or something, uh, an 11-year-old girl would be more innocent. The way I imagined her in the book, right. I just saw a more kind of quiet, innocent character, something you might see in a, you know, in a Ghibli movie, like My Neighbor Totoro or something. It probably did translate from me, like, literally loving the movie and watching it a bunch and then reading the book. Yeah, that's going to um, affect how you see because, things. Because, oh yeah, definitely. Like, when I'm reading it, I'm picturing the Coraline from the movie. Uh, I think everyone does that. I think everyone who, like, saw the movie first and then oh, read yeah. the book... Like they usually are more accepting of the movie, but if mm. you read the book first and then see the movie, <laughs> it's like you already have all these like preconceived ideas in your head. And so, and then you want it to fit what you originally imagined when you see the movie. So you're, yeah. I think you tend to be more judgmental. In my opinion, her sassiness, I think at the end of the the movie, I felt that it gives her the strength to like, push herself to be able to fight against her other mother in the beginning like she she had boundaries and that's why she was sassy so i think when she realized that her other mother was bad she was like no like i'm not letting you do this and yeah. these are my boundaries and you can't do that yeah, she needed to have a level of of character strength. Yeah. To to be able to because this witch, let's just call her a witch. <laughs> um she she did actually kidnap these other children, which mm -hmm. I thought was really creepy, and I really liked the idea that the children it wasn't just that she killed these children, but she actually stole their ghosts. Yeah. So the so the children's ghosts were like were trapped, trapped. Yeah. In this other reality. And the, and the ghosts were like, we just want to go to the afterlife. So we can't even go to the afterlife. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was just one of those clever ideas. A very Neil Gaiman idea, by the way. I, it also reminds me kind of of Stephen King's uh, The Dark Tower. Like, I almost feel like Neil Gaiman, in some ways, is like Stephen King for kids, you know? And that idea of having these ghosts that want to be free, like, I like that idea. Yeah. And again, it creates all this mystery because the book doesn't quite explain, well, where do these kids go when they're free? Like, where is this afterlife? What kind of yeah. afterlife is it? Uh, yeah. For a young reader, it's going to stimulate your imagination and make you wonder about that. And again, that's the kind of fantasy I like. I don't like this modern trend in fantasy where every single thing needs to be explained. explained. Think that that's why things are magical, right? That's why you give us mm -hmm. a sense of wonder. You need something to wonder about if you want to have a sense of wonder. Even though we don't know everything, mm -hmm. uh, there are some, there are like clues and it's like almost like it's leading the audience to a conclusion that we're mm -hmm. forming ourselves, which is okay. really, really cool. That's so good, That's good writing. Yeah. That's what you call it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. We know her mother is like some creature, or so the audience assumes. And we know that she can twist things. Her house, her garden, yeah. like what surrounded it. And so what this weird witch creature tried to do was twist everything so Coraline would like it more in her dimension. So that she could possibly, like, I don't know, steal Coraline's soul and, right. uh, and eyes. There are lots of hints throughout the movie 
uh, for example, when the when um, Coraline goes to her other father, he doesn't look so good anymore. He looks like right. he's melting and he's tired yeah. and like he's being controlled. So then Coraline gets the sense of like her mother's not all that good. Like sure. she did something to this whatever her other father is. Right. But he's being controlled. The other YB is being controlled. He he wasn't happy. And what did the other mother do? You know, sewed his mouth to a smile. Yeah. And also, the other father, how he had those gloves. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of... I think that was a great symbol mm-hmm. for how the other mother was controlling him. Because he... It's like he didn't want to play the piano anymore. And Uh then, like, the hands just played for him. It was like a metaphor for... Yeah, um, that wasn't in the book, though. Yeah, that was not in the book. But, yeah, in the movie, I forgot. Well, one of my my favorite... Yeah, one of my favorite things about the book... At one point, uh, this character's like, you know, you can have anything you want. Every day you'll have the food you like... Oh and, yeah, and you'll yeah. get the clothes you want, and everything will be great every day. And the creature's telling her this, assuming that she, you know, she's a dumb kid, and she'll be like, "Well, of course, I want you know, if I why who wouldn't want everything that they could always mm-hmm. want?" But philosophically speaking, if you got everything you wanted all the time, that would be really boring. You know, there would yep. be no drama in your life, and I think. Very few kids, I think, would really know that. I think it takes a very uh, wise, mature person to recognize that mm. that everything being great all the time is not a perfect world. That you need to have ups and downs in life. Yeah, for things to seem good. Right. Exactly. Because what is that, good if it's just all the time? Exactly. And I think she was like just remarkably wise for her age to to be yeah. like that. I I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want every you know everything yeah, all you're the right. time to be perfect. And I thought it was a very subtle way of suggesting this, this girl is really smart. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I think that little kids reading this might also think about it and say, wait a minute, would I want to have everything I want all the time? Would that be a better world? Right. Uh, like definitely in the book imagery was like a crazy thing. Like, I think it'll test every kid's imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially when they are like that scene where Coraline is walking with the cat. She's seeing like the kind of like melt away. How the trees start to look like a painting. And personally, it gave me like shivers. Like it was it was pretty crazy. That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like to for a book that you read to impact you like that, mm. I think is the, the best thing about reading. Yeah, well, you got to have an imagination. So it's good that <laughs> kids, some kids still have imagination, thank God. Would you have any critiques about anything or was it just perfect? Oh my gosh, I did not think about that. Um, I don't think it was all like perfect, but I, there wasn't something that like bothered me. But I mean, yeah. what about you? Well, I will say, I don't think books need to be perfect, first yeah. of all. Uh, I do get annoyed when people 
they look at a, a story uh, like it's a math problem and they say, well, you, know, you need to have this and this and this and this and you per- perfect movie comes out. Like that, that's not art. That's not the way art works. But, you know, I always try to think, well, how might I have done things a little differently? Um, the only thing that really comes to mind is I thought it might be a little more interesting if she was a little more tempted by that other world, because it seemed like the witch was really trying to tempt Coraline into being like, wow, this world is great, isn't it? Don't you want to live with me? And it doesn't seem that at any point she even considers it. Personally, I think that showed more in the movie. I I mean, it didn't show more, but I think... A little bit, a little bit, yeah. More in the movie, because... There was like a couple scenes where she was like, "Wow, really? Like I can stay here forever?" Sure. But yeah. it wasn't like totally like you didn't know if it was like a decision that she like just knew she wanted to do. Uh- right, but then but then I think the movie in in a way and I and I blame the visuals for this. It seemed like she was all ready to go to to stay with other mother for forever. Until the other mother brought out the button eyes, and she's like, "Okay, you just gotta sew these uh, buttons onto your eyeballs." Oh my gosh! And, you, uh, right. and, you know, and then it's like, "Well, of course, who's gonna who's gonna agree to that?" I, I don't think you'll ever find a kid, no matter what you offer them, to say, "Sure, I'll sew these buttons onto my eyeballs." Yeah, I mean, who's gonna? And I think in the book, because it's more kind of vague and dreamlike, it seems like okay, sure. But when you're seeing it in a movie. And you know, here's here's the buttons with a needle and the thread. You're like, oh shit! Like, okay. there's no way. Right, and I do, and I think I did feel that. I felt that completely um, in the movie. Yeah, she was super positive about staying there forever, and then the button eyes came out, and she was like, heck no. And she um, immediately, yeah, and she yeah. immediately changed her mind. And maybe like the button eyes is like symbolic of something because you know it kind of makes you wonder. Well, yeah. Did she have to sew these onto her eyes? What if there was another way to do it that wouldn't be so harsh? Would would she have just completely abandoned her parents mm. if it wasn't for those buttons? Like that's yeah. something I kind of wonder you're about. Right, you right. know, like what if all she had to do is like wear this necklace? Just wear this necklace, and then you're you know you stay here forever. There was also a couple other scenes. That, like, I think made her, like, for sure, for sure about her decision to not stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, when she saw that, like, other YB was being controlled and he was suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it kind of calms that problem down a little bit when she sees, like, more things that she doesn't like. But you're you're definitely right. Yeah, but again, I don't think it's necessarily the problem of Neil Gaiman, I think it might just be a problem of the medium. There is a book called Ender's Game. And I don't think you'll ever read this. I'm going to spoil it for you. But in Ender's Game, the, the whole the whole surprise ending of this book is that the kid is being trained to do this war simulation. Because it's a future sci- sci-fi world and they're going to war with these alien creatures. And so this young boy named Ender, he's going to school to learn how to like command these spaceships and kill these aliens. And he's doing all these simulation tests. So test after test after test, he's getting really good at it. And he's always like wiping out the, the aliens. Yeah. And what happens at the end of the book 
is he kills all the aliens and he destroys their the whole planet. Mm-hmm. And everyone cheers. Everyone's like, you know, all of his like professors are like, they're they're crying and they're like, oh, you did it, Andrew, you did it. And then there's like, what's going on? Why are you guys so excited? And it turns out that it wasn't a test. That's the big surprise twist. Is that actually he really was fighting aliens? He really he oh. was controlling real spaceships. And he was sorry if I ruined that story for you. Oh but, no, no, it's I'm not, probably never. But uh, but he but yeah. So basically, this kid just he wiped out this whole alien civilization. But oh, he didn't know that. Cute. He thought it was a video game, and he felt and he feels really really bad about it at the end. He feels betrayed. He goes, "Why didn't you tell me? I didn't oh know that, that I was That's doing this." Sad. Yeah. So it works in the book. It works really well. In the movie, though, it doesn't work. Because in the movie, you see all these really cool... It doesn't look like a video game. Like, when I was reading the book, I was imagining the kids playing Galaga. But, yeah, yeah. But in the movie, like, it shows, like, this planet and these aliens. It looks so it's like, like Star Wars. You could have so imagined you're, that. Yeah, so when you're seeing it in the movie, you're like, oh, I wonder if that's, like, real. Because it looks real. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't look like a video game. It looks like real aliens and they're really going to war and of course that is what's actually happening so i think that's an example of where sometimes things just do not translate from book to movie and yeah it's not the author's fault and it's not the story and it's not the story it's not the story no yeah yeah. i mean the button eyes i think was a good a creepy little detail because i think it kind of ties into dolls and how dolls can be creepy and control stuff like that Right, and when you're yeah, reading a you book, you control your dolls a, when you play with them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. like, and it's like right. the mother wanted to control her forever. So Coraline says she's talking to the cat, and the, mm. I think the cat says she loves you, and Coraline says, "I know, and I believe that she does." And that's why I thought it was really interesting yeah. because it wasn't just okay. This is just this evil monster that just wants to eat Coraline or something. She she genuinely loved Coraline, but the the way that she loved Coraline was, was very not, possessive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It was like, I'm going to love you in a way where you're not going to be Happy. have any, yeah, you're not going to have any freedom. You're going to just do what, what I want you to do, like a doll. Yeah. So that's something that was in the book that wasn't yeah, in the right, movie right. that I kind of missed out on. And again, it's a really great lesson for young readers because that is something to that you need to know growing up is that sometimes someone will say they love you Yeah, might not be a parent. It might be, you know, someone else might be a friend or a boyfriend or husband or whatever, or, or wife, but the way the, the love that they give you is very controlling and, and, and yeah. Toxic. Yeah. And you need to know, that you know, that's not- you need to know the difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because people can love you the way that they love a doll. Well, you yeah. don't want to be someone's doll. You want to be someone's person. You want to be someone's equal. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Um, the book was definitely better. I think it conveyed a lot of feelings and emotions better. There was just one more thing I wanted to talk about. Sure, sure. Um, so bravery. This idea of bravery was brought up in the book a lot. For Coraline, she explains, and it's to the cat mostly, even if you're scared, you're still going to do it because you care. It's, it's putting on that brave face. That's what's what bravery is. It's not it's not yeah. that you're not scared. I think she says 
that if you're if you're not scared, you can't be brave. Brave yeah. is when you're scared, mm-hmm. but you do something anyway, despite yeah. your fear. And I, that yeah. I thought was a really good line. You're right. I and, that. Yeah, and that just like also with like character development too, mm-hmm. that just like helped her personality. And um, and I think she does talk about something that her real dad did for her when she was younger with like some wasps and the dad oh, yeah, yeah. That protected was a good her. I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. protected her from the wasps yeah. and he had like, you know, a billion stings, but sure. and he was scared. It's like in that moment she's thinking about her parents and she wants them back and so she's thinking about things that they taught her and those things that they taught her helped her through this hard situation that she's having her dad was brave for her and now she's going to be brave for her dad and i think i thought that was to save her parents yeah which i also thought yeah now that you bring that up i think that's also another way that the book is better yeah because in the movie she decides okay i'm gonna save my parents but you're like why your parents are awful like the movie just only shows her parents being awful and you know of course at the end she brings her parents back you know, her parents become kind of nicer, but it's you're right. Like you're like, yeah, bad. Definitely. It seemed like the, the parents were just in a bad mood in the beginning of the story. And mm-hmm. so it seemed like they were awful. And also with the book, it'll teach kids that it's like sometimes some moments are just worse than others. And like your parents, like your relationship with them can be up and down. They were just super like busy during the move-in process, and maybe they were just. It just wasn't the greatest time for her and her parents, but she knows that it's emphasized more in the book that she knows they care about her and they want her and they love her and they they do anything for her because she tells you about that like backstory. Yeah, those those details are important. Okay, so do you have any other uh, closing thoughts? Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right, so let's uh, go over my rating system. I have a four-star rating system, which some people are. That's kind of weird. I, I know I know most people do five, but I do four. So one star is not recommended. Two stars is forgettable. Three stars is great. And four stars is mandatory meaning that you must read this. So, Oh my gosh, you're putting me in like a trap here. Well, it's probably, yeah. yeah don't, I mean, don't, don't overthink it. It's fine. This story has, you know, been such a big part of my like childhood and I've grown up with it. I've always loved it. And, and especially like the book just enhanced that so much more. And the feeling I got after I read it was just incredible and yeah, and like you said, mandatory. I feel like everybody should have read it. So I guess I'm going to give it a four. Well, that's. <laughs> I think uh, you knew my funny. answer, but four. I definitely. did know your answer, but I wanted you to express it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, you know, I think this book is definitely skewed more for younger readers than for, you know, jaded old people like myself. <laughs> so I think your opinion matters more. So I, yeah, I'll give it a four as well. Yeah, Coraline. I mean, literally on the front of the book, it has a um a rating 
from Philip Pullman, the author of his Dark Materials. I, I love Philip Pullman, so yes. I, res I respect saying, his opinion a lot. He's saying, a very good rise yeah. to your feet and applaud Coraline yeah. is the real thing. And I feel like that's just like so, so true. So, yeah. Well, that's what I hate about book uh, covers is that there's all this praise. Every book is amazing, according to the book, you know, the book covers. <laughs> but they're not always amazing. Sometimes, right. yeah, sometimes it's true. Sometimes not. But Philip Pullman, I think we can trust Philip Pullman because <laughs> uh, his Dark Materials, better known as The Golden Compass, yep. is another excellent, excellent kids uh, book and young adult book. Sophia, thanks for doing this uh, with me. I definitely enjoyed the discussion. And I hope yep. that we will motivate some people to pick up Coraline. Oh, well, thanks for having me. We'll talk again. We'll have to do this again. Alrighty, everybody. Well, that's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. And I hope you go on and pick up Coraline because it is a very good book. And if you love fantasy adventure with a slightly different, more original twist, I highly recommend you check out the Anya books, particularly The Princess of Anya, I think is a great fairy tale, surrealist-themed fantasy and one of my favorite books. And also, um, I know this is probably going to be a while, but I'm currently working on the fourth Anya book, The Magic of Anya. That's really going to be geared much more to younger readers. It's going to be rated PG. And so I hope you stick around and check out my... Anya series, which you can learn all about by going to nickalamonos.com, or you can also type in anya.net, and you can learn all about the history and geography and the races and people and places of the world of Anya. I've been Nick Alamonos. Thanks for listening.